Welcome once again to Voice of Reason Radio, your hosts Chris Honholtz and Richard Story joining you on the end of April. It is April 30th, 2021. We have managed to make it four whole months into this year. And so uh, month five starts tomorrow and we start, we're getting full into the spring season, which means many of you are probably trying to listen to this through stuffed up faces and watery eyes and who knows all the other issues you're dealing with the, with allergy season around you. Our, our sincerest condolences for those of you who are struggling through that. But uh, it is great. It is great to see the weather warming up. It was uh, we actually had to turn on the AC for the first time today. Uh, just got a little too warm out here in the northern uh, desert of Nevada. But uh, grateful to have you with us. Grateful to be able to join you each and every week. Uh, so blessed we are part of the Christian podcast community. As we always try to let you know, please go check out Christian podcast community. Uh, you can go to slavetothekingcom You can follow the link there to take you to where, where our show page is. And you can check out all the other programs that are on there. Uh, some of the really good ones. In fact, I'll mention one of them. To, uh, I told you guys last week, uh, Drew and Chris did a uh, program with a Lauren Robinson on a woman's biblical role. That actually, the online interactions prompted tonight's topic, but I would encourage you to go listen to that. I think that was actually a really good, uh, really good discussion. But um, check those programs out. You will always be blessed by something there. Uh, please give them a listen. Add uh, that. In fact, if you just want a random mix, you can go on your uh, podcast app of choice and find uh, the Christian Podcast Community feed and it actually has a great many of the programs built right into it and they just as they load they go right to that particular podcast feed so you won't have to have a whole bunch of different ones you can actually get that one and get a whole bunch of good listening so really really encourage you to check that out again i want to remind you we do have our website as i mentioned slave to the king.com you can always find our <coughs> excuse me our uh, social media feeds. You can find blog articles as they come up. You can find RSS links, which may be necessary in the future should uh, big tech continue its continued clampdown. Uh, our RSS feed link is on there, so you can drop that into your uh, podcast app of choice, and uh, you can just get every. You, there's even contact information if you want to send us something. Some of you have actually been using that. I tried to up change up the website so it would go straight to our email so i catch it faster haven't figured out that plugin yet so i'm still working on that but i would encourage you if you want to contact us you can reach us there or you can always email us at slay at excuse me i almost gave you the website uh you can always email us at our uh email address at voice of reason radio at gmail.com you can always get in touch with us that way as well uh grateful for all your guys's continued prayers and support uh, always grateful for some of the comments that we get, not only on our social media, but some of you who have left reviews on the po uh, various podcast uh, uh, apps or sites that ho uh, that this links to. Grateful for your comments. Grateful for your uh, your, your reviews. You guys are just fantastic. Um, always. I, I promised I wouldn't hammer you with it, but I do want to remind you, uh, we do have a Patreon. If anybody is ever interested in helping offset some of the cost of what we do with this, which isn't huge, but it does help, especially in these days and age. If you ever want to be a part of that, you can go to uh, our Patreon page. Again, you can find that on slavetothekingcom And 
my son, who <laughs> who understands Patreon apparently better than I do, uh, suggested we try to come up with some uh, some special incentives for those of you who who do uh, submit to that. If you do, and we start getting some interest, we will try to find a way to uh, say thank you in doing that. I just don't know how to do that yet, so <laughs> I'm working on that. But if you are interested, that we we do have that as well. Um, I'm sorry, I'm I'm already befuddled because. James White already threw a, threw me a left hook on Twitter before we started, so I, I still can't think straight. <laughs> I'll have to explain that one in a minute. How you doing uh, this week, brother? As always, better than I deserve. Um, it's been a blessed week, and every day that we draw breath is a blessing from the Lord, so we don't need to ever forget that. But um, I, were, I was able to attend the class this past week um, for the next several weeks I'll be teaching and preaching on evangelism at a local church um, I think I told everyone last week that the very very ver first class I had to miss because of a gnarly stomach flu virus type thing so um, I was able to make the second lesson and um, it's nothing like stepping into a class of people a classroom with people that you've never met and right out of the gate you're talking about sin, repentance, repentance, false conversion, <laughs> examining yourself, um, and starting out right out of the gate with that. Because <laughs> normally <laughs> in a class, you you know, that's like the second or third discussion that you have when it, in, in these evangelism courses. And the one of the components that I'm using in this class is the Way of the Master basic training course. That's just part of a larger overall course that we are teaching. Um, but before class started, I was sitting there talking with the pastor, and a lady walks up and hands him the study guide. She says, you can have this back. I don't need it. I won't be back to class. And I'm thinking, okay, it's starting already. Generally, this, only, this comes around after about the third or fourth class or, you know, somewhere on down the road, but I guess we're going to start this one off right out of the gate with, with somebody saying, okay, this is not for me. I don't want any part of it. But as she says that and hands the pastor the study guide, and I could tell by the look on his face, he was a bit shocked and possibly a little bit embarrassed because here I am, you know, I'm sitting right there next to him and we're getting ready to get started. And second class this lady comes up and tells him that and she stands there for a second and it was she paused maybe five seconds but it seemed like 50 minutes and then she started laughing she says um something's come up i'm going to be out of town for the next three weeks so i'm not going to be able to attend and i'm thinking shoo okay that's good <laughs> <laughs> i haven't even spoken yet and i've already offended this one lady so um that kind of got it off on a bit of a humorous humorous start but um i ask the listeners to be praying not only for me but for every man and woman that's attending this class because they're i didn't get an exact count but there's somewhere around 15 to 20 men and women that are attending this class and um i can i'm already encouraged because even after during that one class i've taught so far there were several taking notes and um i i, I had intended on starting out the class with about a 10, 15 minute talk. According to my wife, I did not 
give a talk. I gave a sermon that lasted about <laughs> 35 minutes, and <laughs> we barely had time to watch the Hell's Best Kept Secret video that went along with that lesson. So um, believe it or not, when I get to go get started, I can really, really get started and get to talking to the point to where I lose track of time, especially if, it, if it's something that I'm preaching or, or discussing that I'm so passionate about. Um, some of you may find that hard to believe because a lot of times on this show, I tend to be, I don't really get on a long, drawn-out 15, 20-minute discussion. But um, honestly, it's because I'd rather listen to Chris talk than I had <laughs> myself. But um, the, the the potential is there. So just pray for me to learn a little bit of brevity and being able to condense information down. We, we are allotted an hour and 15 minutes in each lesson, but um, thankfully this pastor has a passion and a heart for evangelism. He wants to see his people trained up and taught and wants to see them going out and engaging other people in the gospel conversations and handing out tracts and leaving tracts and, and all of that. So um, at this point, it's pretty much you got as much time or as many weeks as you want between now and about mid-August. So um, uh, it's a blessing to be able to go through this and take time and, and give it the due diligence that it really deserves when it comes to teaching and, and preaching on evangelism. So I just ask for everyone's prayers as I go forth doing this, but pray more for those that are attending the class that the Lord will give them a passion and ignite in them a fire for evangelism and a heart that weeps for the fate of the lost. Amen. Amen. Folks, this is one of those opportunities that I, I can't emphasize enough. What an amazing opportunity it is to help the saints of God be prepared to share the gospel um, and, and to have a pastor who is not only willing to you know to, to allow someone to do that, but is excited and is directly involved in it, um, and is is giving support. That's amazing, and so definitely be praying for this because, especially in the days in which we live, we we now more than ever it seems need to be busy about the sharing of the gospel. It is clear from the culture that we live in that this is a culture that is at war with God. We are seeing Romans 1 being played out before our very eyes. This is, our, our marching orders could never be more clear. Go out and make disciples of every nation. Well, folks, that's what we are called to do. And so definitely be praying for Rich, be praying for this church, be praying for those hearing it, um, because what an opportunity that it, God is equipping these people to be you know, ministers of his gospel going out and, and proclaiming uh, the, the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. So praise God for that, Rich. I'm so grateful that they have you doing that. Um, well, one more thing that makes it even more of an amazing blessing is, you know, I can't travel well these days. I can't, I have trouble getting out, <laughs> but, um, it, realistically, this church is so close to my home that if I had to, I could drive my wheelchair to it. It is less than a mile from my house. Yeah, and, and that, talk that's about God's amazing. Talk about God's provision. <laughs> that that's just amazing beyond measure. So definitely be praying for that, folks. Uh, pray for wonderful gospel opportunities to come out of that, and pray for the uh, the gospel going forth as these individuals are equipped by I think one 
a fantastic brother in Christ. And brother, I, I, I can't think of a better person to be doing that uh, than you right now. So praise God for his the opportunity you've been given. Um, I also want to share with you guys this week. Uh, actually, it was last week. I, I, I think I mentioned it on the show. I was uh, going to be interviewed by Mike Lee of the Sharper Together podcast. He dropped that episode just today. Uh, we'll put it in the show links. It was It was a really wonderful opportunity. We talked about multiple topics uh you know law enforcement perspectives uh, how the, you know the world is treating law enforcement uh the need for faithfulness in the uh, in the study of the word of god and obedience um even talked about uh you know the our our desperate need to be uh you know under a local church under the authority of godly elders so it was i think a, a just a, f- a really fun time but also just a, a really blessed time and I'm really thankful for uh, Mike Lee for giving me that opportunity. Um, his, you know, on his website, this is Rich. This is the part that mystifies me when I get asked to do stuff like this, <laughs> which isn't that often, which is probably a good thing. But it mystifies me when I see someone you know want to uh, get in touch with me, but they say you know Mike Lee's thing is that he has created a podcast talking to Christian leaders from around the world as, as, as one of the phrases that he puts on this, <laughs> on this, uh, um, podcast. And I'm like, wait, what did you say? <laughs> Christian leaders. I don't lead nothing. <laughs> you know? So, um, it's, it's a, but it was really a, a wonderful opportunity. I mean, this is a guy who's interviewed pastors. He interviewed Dustin Benj, which I listened to that podcast episode. In fact, I'll put that one in there. I think you guys need to listen to that one too. I'll put that in the show notes as well. Um, but it was a really neat opportunity, and I think it's a really unique platform that they've put together for this podcast. Rather than listening to like Rich and I you know, drone on every week, this individual is uh, talking to people that he believes has a message to that is you know important and you know is if necessary for Christians to hear. And I I can't speak to he's got about I'm number ten on his episode list, so. That's that's it's a very new podcast. I don't know what his intents are with the future of that, but uh, I, you know I can't speak for everybody he's interviewed. But Destin Benj is the most solid I think you'll find on there, definitely by far. And uh, you know I pull I pulling up number ten as far as the person you should listen to most. But it was it was a neat opportunity and just a, a wonderful chance to to talk to uh, more people about the importance of the Word of God. So thank you, Mike, for, for allowing me to be on there, and thank you for sharing our program on there and uh, you know encouraging people to listen to us. So that was that was a neat opportunity. And um, now I did say I would, I would have to explain this, why I was so befuddled at the beginning. Um, <laughs> if you follow us on social media, I, every week I'll take a picture of the of the little uh, Voice of Reason Radio Bat Cave set up and I'll, I'll just say, hey, we're getting ready to record. Prayers is always appreciated. James White is stern a man as he can be and is as serious a man he as he can be. The dude has got a, a, a prankster streak a mile wide. Y'all just don't get to see it. Uh, <laughs> out, of the, out of the blue, within just minutes of me sharing this, his response, Rich, I kid you not, I, I'm literally, poor Rich is, you know, was like, okay, what's wrong with Chris? He's lost his mind because I start busting a gut. <laughs> he pi- writes in response to asking for prayers, may Ultraman, Ultraman guide thee and keep thee. Oh, wait, sorry. Did I say that out loud? <laughs> 
Now, to those who have no idea what Ultraman is, it's a Japanese TV show that started back in 1966. They're still making them today. Giant superhero, 30 stories tall, you know, beats up monsters. It's like, think of Godzilla, but a, a, a TV show every week. It, it was one of my favorites growing up. It's still one of my favorite shows today. They're still making them. I'm still watching them. So it's, it's one of those things that I just love. And it was an ongoing conversation when he and I were getting people to share their, uh, Amazon wishlist. That's what it was. And he saw some stuff on mine where these figures that I like to collect. And so he made a joke about it. And so now he just pulls that one out of his hat, you know, like two months later and just left hooks me in the middle of Twitter with, a, with this may Ultraman guide thee and keep thee. It's <laughs> like, Oh, Dr. White, you literally had me busting a gut. I think poor Rich wondered if we were going to be able to record the show. So I was a, I was a little bit thrown. <laughs> For a bit there, I was scared you might need oxygen the way you were laughing. I mean, literally, it sounded like you were in pain. I, I thought you were going to suffocate you were laughing so hard. Uh, Dr. White gave us, definitely gave us both a chuckle. Well, I don't... Yours goes so far beyond a chuckle. <laughs> I don't even know how to describe it. But that was very, very funny. And and like you said, it's just like it came out of left field. So um, I have a feeling now you will be inundated with Ultraman gear. Oh, gosh. How terrible that would be. <laughs> yes, do not send Chris any Ultraman Oh, I wouldn't want that anything. at all. <laughs> he would not want anything Ultraman. So do not send Chris... Anything Ultraman. <laughs> but uh, so, Dr. White, thank you for that laugh. I think I really needed it because it's been quite an emotional roller coaster, I think, for all of us lately. So it, it, it struck me as so funny because it was so, as you said, out of left field. I was not expecting it. And it was just one of those things he just threw it out there. And I was I was literally busting a gut. And and I'm starting to exercise more lately, so my stomach muscles are a little tight. So I was laughing so hard that I was in a little bit of pain. <laughs> I was like, ow, ow, ow. So um, not that you could tell. I, I, I'm pushing almost 200 pounds. That's the heaviest I've ever been in my life. That is not a good thing. So I'm really starting to try and walk. Of course, ordering Domino's tonight didn't help, but that was different circumstances but i i I, li I i'm literally trying to have i'm drinking lots more water i'm being a little bit more cognizant about the things i'm eating i'm trying to get more physically active because uh yeah that's that that's probably the unhealthiest i've been and i really don't want to continue that so um thanks for the belly workout dr white i needed that <laughs> well i keep telling you just find a local gym and start taking up boxing you'll get in shape real quick <laughs> yeah and you know until i trip over my own feet and punch myself in the face that's that's usually how <laughs> that would work so we'll maybe won't try that but so well we better we better do our show we're 20 minutes in and we haven't even started yet uh but thank you for your indulgence folks uh a couple of things we just really wanted to, to put out put out there especially with uh rich's classes so please be praying for that um so i was mentioning earlier we i was listening to uh, matter of theology chris huff and drew vanita uh they had their recent episode back on april 23rd and it was a episode involving lauren robinson who i've seen interacting with uh, a lot of folks 
on Twitter, and she's, she seems like a really great gal. I know she's drawn some fire for what I think are... She's taken strong stances. Shocking. Twitter. You take a stance, people get mad. Um, but <laughs> what, what I found interesting about that episode, and again, I, I would recommend you guys go listen to it. I think it was a really good episode. But it wasn't so much the episode as what happened post-episode in the... Um, in the comments on Twitter, when when they shared this episode, I said, "Hey, I'm going to download that. That sounds like a great episode." It's funny, I, Rich. I'm almost certain that there are people who live on Twitter in such a way that they just look for keywords, and if the words "biblical woman" and "role" show up anywhere in that, you will draw the feminist harpies. <laughs> That's going to get me in trouble. But you will. They came out of the woodwork. I mean, I saw, I don't know why. I mean, it's, it's guaranteed not one of these individuals listened to this episode. Maybe one. I, I, I'll amend that. Maybe one listened to the episode. But almost none of them did. And the responses were so, I think, out, unnecessary, uncalled for, and really disrespectful. But the thing that started it and what prompted my uh, something I posted, um, I think the following day, and which is I thought would, maybe we talk about tonight on the program was when I said I'm going to download this and listen now. Uh, this one lady and I, I'm not going to share her Twitter handle and stuff. I, I don't need to, us to have start a fight on the internet. But her response was something to the effect of, "I just find it so interesting why men are so obsessed with what women's roles are in the church." And I thought, well, that's an interesting comment. First off, who are you? And I look, and she doesn't follow me. And Twitter has this thing. It says, it'll let you know if this person follows people you know or if other people you know follow her. So I look, and she doesn't follow any of us. Nobody's following her. So where did she find this? You know. And so my response was simply to say, something to the, again, something to the effect, because I'm not going to go digging through Twitter to find it, uh, was basically saying, how about being actually concerned with what the Bible says, that all of our roles are, what you know, and making sure that we are all conforming to what you know, God's intention for us is. Um, that was pretty much ignored. And the conversation with Drew, who I think was the one running the, the Matter of Theology account from that point forward, was responding to allegations and claims that patriarchy or complementarianism is a wrong theology and that women should be allowed to do all the things that men do. And ultimately, the thing I found most interesting is that it was the same same individual that... My apologies. Oh, I could... Siri, stop. Uh, my watch is now talking to me, so we're going to take the watch off so it doesn't <laughs> do that again. Okay, um, so... The, the same lady who started this, this conversation asked a question, and as soon as I saw it, I knew exactly where she was going, and I, I wasn't wrong. And the question was, with regard to women's role in the church, that she basically asked Drew, if, if I, uh, you know, do I have to believe what you're saying about this in order to be saved? You know, is it a is it a salvation issue? And Rich, as soon as I saw that, I knew exactly what was coming, and uh, I, I pretty much abandoned the conversation after you know shortly after that. Um, but it was one of those questions you and I both know what this is. There's there's a there's the person who wants to understand what are the core tenets of the faith. 
What do, what are the things that I simply can't be wrong about and claim to be a Christian? Because they really need to understand they're concerned about what God's word says, and they don't want to be wrong on these issues. And that's a legitimate you know person asking the question. This question wasn't one of those questions. This was essentially, if I don't believe this, and it's not a salvation issue, what does it matter? In other words, this is nothing but preference. If I can believe this and still be a Christian, then it doesn't matter. And and, and as she was uh, basically alleging, people have debated this for hundreds of years, and so everybody holds different positions, so it doesn't matter. Rich, would you think that, that you know, if someone came to you with an important biblical doctrine, and they're all important, some are really high up there, but they're all important. But on, a, on, a, on an important biblical doctrine where Scripture is very, very clear about what it says you can and can't do. And they came to you and said, I, if I don't believe this, it's not a salvation issue, so why does it matter? Would you be concerned or would you say, yeah, you're right? Oh, I definitely would be concerned. And it reminds me of what so many of us have run into out on the streets um, engaging in street evangelism, um, you go to either hand someone a tract or you go to talking about the things of God, and someone comes up to you and says, I'm a Christian, but... And when you hear that, you know what's about to come out of their mouth is going to be, for all practical purposes, a denial of what Scripture actually says. Because people tend to want to take their beliefs, their opinions and make the Word of God fit what they want. They want it to say what they want it to say. They're not concerned about what does God actually say. They're more concerned about, well, how can I get by with thinking and believing and living this way, but yet still be a Christian? How can I manage to wiggle that little gray area in there and, and still get away with doing what the Bible forbids? And the sufficiency of Scripture is, is at the heart of all of these conversations. Mm -hmm. And as a Christian, we shouldn't be trying to find loopholes or clauses in Scripture to skirt around things that the Bible has already declared as either sin or forbidden. Um, the goes back to our show last week, the ultimate driving force should be obedience mm -hmm. to the Word of God, because we love Christ, and we want to please Christ, and we want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. We don't want to hear, or we should never want to hear, you You were okay, but you got these few things, but you can get on into heaven anyway. Mm -hmm. um, a person that's more worried about getting into heaven than they are living for Christ, they've got other issues besides whether it's okay for a woman to preach or not. Um, and people... Nowadays, people don't read, they don't pay attention, they don't follow directions, and these that have made loose professions of Christ are even worse, because they don't read the Bible, they don't study the Bible, they don't seek to truly understand what God has said. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to a subject that they feel strongly for, and the Bible is against it, they really ignore those passages. Mm -hmm. So it should never be what we want the Bible to say, it should be what does the Bible say. All this goes back to the Garden of Eden when Satan whispered, did God really say? And that's still the situation today. In the case of this conversation over feminism and women's roles in the church, 
that woman's wanting to go with, did God really say? Mm-hmm. Now, you know, everything that we need is provided by the Bible. It, it in detail defines how we should live as a Christian, and it defines in detail what is and is not a sin. Is, is, is it wrong for a woman to preach and exercise authority over men? Yes, it's wrong. The Bible clearly makes, says so. People will ignore it. They, they try to say, well, that was just for then. That doesn't apply to now. But then Paul writes clearly that it's not allowed for a woman to preach or exercise authority over men, period. Now, there are, I will admit, there are some things that we may have to, or topics we may have to study a little more deeply to understand what the Bible's definition is of a, of a subject. Littering, for example. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, thou shalt not throw a bubblegum wrapper on the ground. But it tells us to submit to the authorities that have been placed over us, meaning that it's against the law to go to a park and litter, to throw your trash on the ground. It is against the law. Thus, littering is a sin because you're violating the law and authority that the Lord has placed over you. So, I mean, it it gets down to that simple. But I think the heart of the matter is, for a lot of these people, they don't know what the Bible says because they don't want to know what the Bible says because it will come in conflict with what they want it to say. What do you think? I, I think that's exactly the case. The question, when you're when you're asking it not as someone who's genuinely trying to understand what are what are the the really salvific things? I mean. You know, for example, if I say I believe in, that Jesus died for my sins, but my Jesus was a uh, the greatest creation of God, but not Himself God, that's heresy. You know, now could a person not understanding the true nature of the Trinity and understanding Christ is is the Son of God and is God Himself learn that or believe that, get saved, and then? down the road as they study the Word of God and are being taught, come to the realization, I've been believing wrongly? Yes. That, that, that's why that question's important. So it's, there are those who, who ask it genuinely, but when you have someone who's saying, well, if this, doesn't, you know, if this doesn't impact my salvation, it doesn't matter, what they're saying, they're, they're asking, actually being very disingenuous. And I say that because they already have come to a predetermined outcome. They have said... It doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter uh, how you interpret Scripture. It, it's as far as I'm concerned, this is nothing but preference, and it's it's you trying to use this to abuse women. That is a disingenuous question. You've already predetermined. I'll, Go ahead. I'll add this real quick. It also shows that they have either never been taught or have very poor hermeneutic skills because the first thing that is 101 when it comes to understanding and learning the Bible, the Bible interprets itself. We don't make an interpretation of what a passage says. A passage may have many different applications, but there's only one interpretation, and there's only one way to reach that interpretation, and that is what does the rest of Scripture have to say about that one portion of Scripture? Exactly, exactly. No, and you're spot on, and I appreciate you putting that out there. 
So the, the question itself is disingenuous because it's not actually asking why we need to understand this doctrine. It's actually a, a smokescreen. It's kind of like the atheist who says, well, who made God or, you know, uh, or, you know, how many angels can dance on the head of a pin or whatever. It th throws out this question after question after question after question. Well, he's not asking questions to actually learn anything. He's just using them as objections. And when a person says, well, if this doesn't impact my salvation, then does it matter if I believe it? That's not a genuine question. That's simply a smokescreen in, in order for you to continue to justify why you are denying what God clearly teaches. And in this case, the roles of men and women in the church. And for the record, not every man gets to be in those positions either. Okay, you have all of us have to meet certain criteria. Go ahead, brother. For clarity, let's make it clear: there are some topics and subjects in the Bible that are left up to, somewhat left up to interpretation, that are not salvation issues. Would you agree that eschatology is one of those? Whether you're pre-mill, post-mill, a-mill. And I agree, and that was one of the things I think we were going to touch on is there. it is important for us, as I've always said this, it is important for us as Christians to work through the various doctrines of Scripture. Eschatology is one of those. Eschatology, we tend to think of as simply talking about the end times, but it is also a framework by which how we interpret much of Scripture. So, is it important? Yes, is it important that we study and learn and even be willing to have our own positions challenged whether to either increase our understanding or to eventually go, I've been holding to the wrong system and I need to go where the Bible leads me? Yes. And Rich, you're absolutely right. We, I think it was um, it's Andrew Rappaport who has said, look, we all are wrong somewhere in our theology. And the thing is, is we just don't know it. If we knew it, we'd change it. So I think the important thing when we're talking about these various areas of theology, and um, it was one brother once said with regard to eschatology, look, it, and sometimes it's not as clear-cut as we'd like to think. Some things are, it's like you're working through it because you have to work through various portions of Scripture to develop this system of understanding about how we are to interpret, apply, and look at things regarding the end times. So all of us are working through it. All of us are discussing them. We're having these back-and-forth discussions, and we're going to disagree because some of those things are not as clear as we'd like them to be. So there are areas where maybe it's mode of baptism. Now, that's an important one. If you claim, for example, that you have to be baptized to be saved, that would be heresy. That's adding works to Scripture. That would be false. But baptism, we all agree, is commanded. So you might disagree about whether that means it's uh, you know uh, believer's baptism or whether it is you baptize your children into the covenant, as Presbyterians hold to. Um, but you're working through those because there are portions of Scripture that are seem to point us in a certain direction, and so we're going, this is what we hold to. Where the difference lies is when we have absolutely clear passages of Scripture. For example, you are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. 
You know, the faith is not even a work that you manifested as a gift of God so that no man may boast. So if you were to say, well, I believe the Catholic Church with its idea that you can be infused with Christ's righteousness and you have to do good works in order to merit salvation, that is contradictory to Scripture. That's an important position. It is, in fact, one of those core salvific positions. But if the, when Scripture is clear on an issue, for example, the roles of various people in the church, men and women, the, you know, the, the, the qualifications of an elder or a deacon, those are clear teachings. So what happens is you have individuals like this uh, young lady who do not believe that that is a clear position, even though it's clearly stated, and they go to the less clear portions of Scripture and try to reinterpret the clear portions, which is not sound hermeneutics. Whenever we have positions within Scripture where the Bible is clear on something, you interpret the less clear by the clear. You don't do it the other way around. And so one of the things that when I made my post, Rich, on, on social media was I was pointing out that getting when we're saved, as we talked about last week, we're made new creations. We have new hearts. We, don't, we desire to follow Christ. We are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. We're slaves to a new master. As someone who is genuinely in Christ, someone who has the Holy Spirit within me, one of the strongest desires I should have is to know God in His Word. Now, we all struggle with this. Some, you know, it's hit and miss when we study the Word. Some people are studying it 24-7. But you still want to know what God says. You, you go to church because you want to be taught. You read the Bible because you want to learn. And you have this desire to know God and you trust His Word because we recognize it is the sole infallible authority, the sole, sole source of authority for life and godliness in, in, uh, in the Christian walk. So, Good brother? Yes, go ahead. And, and you hit on it, and I, the thought had crossed, came to my mind right before you said what you just said. Almost every one of these individuals that you come across that whatever the topic may be, whether it's faith alone, grace alone, or the topic of women's roles or men's roles in the church, or I'll use this as an example since you started off with this as tonight's show topic example when it comes to women's preaching. More times than not, the first thing out of their mouth would be something along the lines of, well, Paul wrote that. He, that was just his preference. Paul wrote that, and it just applies for this. The heart of the issue is they don't understand that all everything in the Bible is Scripture. Everything in the Bible is the Word of God. They deny that that portion of Scripture is the Word of God, and they slide it off as, well, that's just what Paul suggested. That's not, that's not, what, we are, that's not what we have to do. It comes back to their trusting that that is the Word of God. My question for them is, who are you to pick and choose what is and what is not the Word of God when the Bible makes it clear that it is the Word of God, when other portions of Scripture makes it clear that what Paul wrote 
was Scripture. Peter confirmed that the letters from Paul were Scripture, just like the Old Testament was part of Scripture. Scripture confirms Scripture. But yet, when they come across these passages and these portions of the Bible that they don't like, or it doesn't line up with, with their way of thinking, they come up with all these different excuses and try to brush it off. And it goes back to, did God really say? It goes back to, is this really the Word of God? Is this all that we need? Why can't I add my own opinion? That's mm -hmm. pride. And pride gets pride is the root of every sin that is outlined in the Ten Commandments, is pride, a person's pride. I deserve, I want, I think, my emotions, my feelings. No. Christ says, if you obey me, keep my commandments. If you love me, obey my son. If you love me, do what I tell you to do. It doesn't say, well, you can love me and, and, and hold on to the world with this hand. No, the Bible makes it clear. You're either in light or darkness, sin or salvation. There's no middle ground. They try to live with their, they basically try to live on that fence post of mm -hmm. one foot in the world and one foot in the Bible and their opinion being the guidepost, and it, that's what directs which way they go. They deny the sufficiency of Scripture. They deny the infallibility of Scripture. And to me, that, that, that's the heart of all of these discussions, all these issues. My question is, either you believe all the Bible or you believe none of the Bible, because either all the Bible's true or none of it's true. So which way is it? How can you decide that this part is true and this part over here is not true? Amen. Amen. And that's that's the big issue, I think, when we encounter this question, because I think it's a really important question. If you're a Christian and you're asking the question, what can I disagree with that's in Scripture? Or what can I say reduce to merely preference and still say I'm saved? You're asking the wrong question. If you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, if you are someone who know, has come to understand that you are a rebel against the Savior. You have tried to tear the king off his throne and make yourself God. You have rebelled against him in thought, word, and deed, and you need him and his salvation and his work to be redeemed. And then you turn around and say, but I can disagree with the Bible on these issues. And it, you can couch it in whatever language you'd like. You, you can say that, well, I believe the Bible's a product of its time, or this, this, it's a product of misogynistic thinking. Yeah, you know, Jesus is, you know, the red letters, that's what matters. Paul isn't Jesus. All these things that we hear. But however you put it, if you are saying, I can disagree with Scripture and be a Christian... That is where the problem lies. You know, salvation, we said this last week, it's not just moving us from one line to another. We are completely changed. But we are called to be living sacrifices. In other words, we are to conform our lives, as Christ said, dying to self, picking up the cross and following him daily. We are forever turning from sin and turning to Christ. But how can we do that? How can we possibly do that? And the way we do that is by knowing the Word of God. The only way we come to that position where we can be in that continual state of repentance is by knowing what God has said is right and is wrong. And that also includes the form and function of the church. 
if he is commanded how the 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 authority of the church is is designed and he is given roles to all of us and he is given gifts to all of us to be used in the function of the church that it's important for us to understand what his word has said because if i just decide that well, I can do it kind of this way because I think that will be more effective and that might make people feel better or this kind of weird uh, music that, well, it's more glorifying to self or making self feel better than glorifying to God. Or I could I can have women who are in authority in the church because you know that's going to make women feel empowered and that God loves them or whatever it is. And then what you're doing is you're saying God's word is not the authority. My preferences are the authority. And this is where I believe there's the problem. If you ask the question, well, if it doesn't impact my salvation, then do I really need to be concerned about this? What you're really saying is, can I claim to be a Christian and still impose my own beliefs over and above the word of God? And that's a very scary place for any of us to be. Doctrine matters. Doctrine it is God's revelation about how we think and how we believe and how we practice. It changes every aspect of who we are. The more we study the Word of God, the more we come under its authority and practice what we've learned from it. And you know, and the, as you said, Rich, there's one interpretation. And the interpretation is what did the author, when he was writing, intend for his readers to understand? That's the interpretation. Then there's application. Application is how do I then apply this in my life? Okay, well, we don't have to worry about, you know, most of us don't have farms. We don't have to worry about the ox goring our neighbor. But you know what? There's an application in that. And that's God has something to say about how we Take care of our animals, take care of our property, how it impacts our neighbor. So if my dog gets out of the yard and attacks a little kid, I'm at fault. That's my dog. I'm responsible for it. There's an application, right? So application is how I take that knowledge and apply it in my life in a way that is honoring to God. And it should be our heart's desire to understand it fully and completely. So, Rich, when someone says, well, is this a salvation issue? My ears perk up. Because I'm on, my, I'm gonna, my first question is, why are you asking that? And if your implication is then, then to say, well, if it doesn't impact my salvation, it doesn't matter. Brother, sister, I challenge you. You need to really think why you're asking that question. Uh, Rich, you, were, you said it before. There are areas we're going to have disagreements. And, and, and some of those areas are important areas of doctrine but it's not going to necessarily impact the outcome. The thing is, though, is we would all agree that they are important areas of doctrine and we need to study them and grow in them and apply them rightly rather than reducing it to an issue of preference, especially in an area that where it is clearly stated. And, and, and I'll flip it. One, let's, let's take... The, the male female component out of it for a second the the portion in in, in Timothy first and second Timothy and Titus that talks about qualifications one of the qualifications is if you want to be an elder you have to be a man of good reputation if you are known all over town as a lout a drunkard a person with a bad temper you're not qualified I don't care how qualified you think you are to teach you're not qualified to be an elder 
You want you're you're you can speak well. You can exegete. You can put a, together a fantastic sermon. You can give great counsel to others, but your house is a mess. And I don't mean like dirty house. I mean your family's a mess. Your children are rebelling against God. You're 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 constantly at war with your wife. There's you're not leading your family. You're you're doing one thing in the church, but you're do you're you're not taking care of your family. You're not qualified. So guess what? That same teaching that says men and women have roles has very strict guidelines, and not even guidelines, very strict commands of the person that is qualified to be an elder in the church and for a deacon as well. Is that a preference? Can we say that a man doesn't have to be of good reputation? Can we say that a man can be given over to much wine? Can we say that a man can lead the church but neglect his family? Of course not. Even the most ardent liberal would disagree with that and say that's not an issue of preference. I hope. Go ahead, brother. (laughs) Um, And I'm sure that you've come across this before, but um, basically we're talking about individuals that put their preference above what the Word of God says. More times than not, there's one portion of Scripture that if you point it out to them, it will reveal their heart, and it's in 2 Corinthians 13.5. And Paul writes, Examine yourselves to see, whether, to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves, or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test. More times than not, when I have pointed that portion of Scripture out, the response by an individual screams volumes. If they reply, well, you're just judging me. No, I'm just telling you what the Bible says, that you need to examine yourself to see whether or not you're in the faith. Have you ever done that? Well, no, I don't have to. I know I'm saved. They are exhibiting a pride-filled heart, which is not a fruit of the Spirit. A truly saved brother or sister in Christ should ne- will never truck away from something Chris, the Bible says. We may not understand it fully. It may make us a little bit uncomfortable, but we should never be afraid of the truth that's in the Bible. But are you like me? Have you had people that rebuke that command and try to say, well, you're just trying to judge me that the Lord knows my heart or something along those lines? Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've heard that quite often. And I think I like the meme that says, you know, oh, you know, you can't judge me. God knows my heart. That should terrify you. <laughs> you know? But that's when we hear someone God says God knows my heart. Rich, that is someone I believe really has no clue what their heart looks like. If you think that your heart is pure and you just mess things up once in a while, and that God knows that and he's not going to hammer you, you have zero understanding of the condition of your heart. The, uh, when, the, I hear, when I hear that, the first thing that I think of is basically this person is letting me know that they need the law and the gospel proclaimed to them because at some point they have made a false profession or following a false Christ of their own imagination or something on those lines. But I want to point this out, and I know we're just about out of time, but... Look at Matthew 7, beginning in verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, 
will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. That verse goes on to talk about how and where a person's foundation is built, whether mm -hmm. it's built on the solid rock of God's Word or whether it's built on a false conversion of sand or those things. But going on, another verse that's similar to this in Galatians 4, 9 Paul wrote, so now that you know God, or should I say, now that God, now, excuse me, now that you have become known by God. Yeah. People don't understand when, in those two verses, when it talks about you knowing, or Christ saying, I never knew you. And when this says, God, how, you know, God, how are you known by God? It's not meaning that, well, you're just a stranger. I have no idea who you were. That's not what it means. The word know in those passages is speaking in a biblical marriage type of way. Mm -hmm. Back in Genesis, it, it spoke of Adam knew Eve. In the Gospels, it said that Mary, I'm sorry, Joseph took Mary as his wife, but he did not know her. In these passages, the word know is implying a very intimate, deep, personal relationship. And in those passages, what it's saying is, you never, Christ never had that intimate personal relationship with you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. In First John, John defined lawlessness as sin. He said, sin is lawlessness. You workers of sin, you, you who practice sin, depart from me. I never knew you. And if you profess to be Christ, that should be the scariest thought in your mind, is that you've lived this life on this earth, for X number of years, professing to be a Christian, you die, stand before Christ, and he says, depart from me. I never knew you. I never had an intimate personal relationship with you. You claimed me, but you lived a life of sin. You clung to the world. You clung to your sin. You tried to make excuses for your sin. You tried to live in this gray area. You questioned my word. You questioned what I left you in the Bible. Depart from me, you worker of sin. As a Christian, that should concern you deeply. As a Christian, you should cling to the Bible, cling to the Word of God, run to it, and beg the Lord to reveal your heart to make sure that you're truly saved. A Christian clings to Christ, mm -hmm. loves Christ, desires to obey Christ. A true born-again Christian does not try to make excuses for their sin that they love that's in their life. They do not try to say, well, did God really say, is this really a sin? Can I do this and get away with this and still be a Christian? The question is not, what can I get away with as a Christian? The question is, what can I do Amen. to grow more holy? What can I do to grow closer to Christ? Amen. Amen. And that's where, when, when we have someone who comes to us and says, well, do I really need to believe this? Brother, sister, stop and think about what's being said. And again, there are differences in the nature of the question. There are people who go, well, does it really matter if I believe Jesus is, is God? Yeah, that matters. Okay. Well, does it really matter if it, you know, uh, if I you know believe that a woman can preach to men? 
yes, it matters. It may not be at the same level as whether or not is Jesus God, but it matters because God has commanded it. And remember, those who wrote Scripture were, you know, did so under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, meaning without violating their will, without violating the nature of their character, what they wrote was what exactly God wanted them to write. And we see this. We see it in the way that Peter writes, in the way that Paul writes, in the way, you know, Peter reflecting Paul's you know, writings as scripture says, some of Paul's things are hard to understand. In other words, he, Paul's a little bit on the deep end. He's kind of tough to read. I get it. But it's scripture. That's, that's Peter's nature showing through. John bragging about the fact that he beat Peter in the race to the tomb. That's John's nature for, you know, coming through. But the words that they wrote were superintended by God to be written. It was part of his decree. It was his inspiration through the Spirit that those words were written. So when Paul writes something, and I'm sorry, you may not like what he said, but it's not whether you like it or it made you feel uncomfortable. Is This is Paul writing as speaking for God. And, you know, for example, Paul says, well, the Lord said, I don't say what the Lord says. And then he says in another passage, I, not the Lord, say, and I've heard people kind of go, well, this is just Paul's opinion. Wrong. What he's saying is, the Lord did not specifically say this when he walked the earth. I, as his apostle, say to you, in other words, he says it with the intent for it to be uh, obeyed as having come from the Lord, because he's, his, he's writing, thus saith the Lord, as an apostle of Christ. We don't get to just dismiss it because he said, well, Paul said, I, not the Lord, say. No, it's not that Paul just came up with something random. The Holy Spirit superintended that. And it was written with the intent that that command would be obeyed. And so, as we talked about in our last program, obedience is such an important issue because it, it's not that we well, were obedient to become saved. It is that we are obedient as a result of salvation so that we might glorify God and we might be conformed to his image. And in the same way, the only way you can be obedient is if you are not asking, you know, saying, well, has God really said, I mean, can't I be saved and not, not agree with you on this issue? <clears throat> Rich, you said it at the beginning. There are areas of debate and discussion where we can still call someone orthodox and believe that they are in the faith, even though we may disagree on an issue. The nature of salvation is one of those, but it's a really important one and borders right on that uh, issue of salvation because whether you're Arminian in your thinking or, or Calvinist in your thinking, most everybody's holding to it within an orthodox position, but there are some places where you go so far off the beaten path that you are literally into um, things like Pelagianism. So it's, that's an important doctrine that borders on the uh, issue of salvation, depending on where how far you're taking this. And it's important that we come to a right understanding of Scripture. Because, <clears throat> excuse me, Scripture does speak clearly on this. 
We don't make scripture fight with scripture. Scripture interprets scripture. So when the passage of scripture that says, well, God desires all that all to be saved, that's not a clobber verse to defeat God's sovereignty. That's simply saying it is God's desire that all men be saved. However, all men will not be saved. Why? Because we're all condemned. So it is God's work, his work in us that saves us. So we use the clear verses, which talk about sovereignty, God's sovereignty and, and salvation, to interpret the less clear verses, which say, well, whosoever, right? We ha Scripture has to harmonize, and we can't use it to beat, uh, beat passages up uh, back and forth. And when we have someone who says, for example, well, you know, you, you've got, you know, like the, uh, you know, the, uh, there was a female judge, and, and well, and then there was the JL who put the, you know, the spike in the guy's head, and and and, and see, they led, and and, and it, that's those were the exceptions, and it actually doesn't say that God is, was establishing women in leadership. It was actually a judgment on the people of Israel in those circumstances. But we interpret the less clear uh, things that are, were descriptive, not prescriptive. By the clear, which is descriptive, which says this is the role for men and women. And if you are in Christ, that matters to you. If you are in Christ, you don't get to say things like, well, I believe God you know, made somebody for everybody, and well, maybe that somebody is, is somebody of the same sex, and God cares about people being fulfilled because he said it's not good for a man to be alone. So if that man needs another man in his life, that, that, that is not at all how you would, as a Christian, you should interpret Scripture, nor should you desire to. <clears throat> you should desire to understand God in, its, his, in his word in its totality and say, God says here and 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 here that homosexuality is a sin. Sexual immorality is a sin. So I can't just dismiss that and say, well, it's not an important doctrine. It's an area I can be disagreeing with you. <coughs> Excuse me, a little bit of dry throat there. Um, so if we are people who claim to follow Christ, if we are people who seek to be obedient because we love the Lord who bought us with a price, the only way we're going to be able to do that is by understanding His Word. That is the lens by which we filter everything. And we have to know it from that, you know, front to back. We have to make a diligent study so that we know what God has commanded us and we know why we're supposed to do it because this is what God has said. So, Rich, as we we're wrapping things up here, the, the question I would ask someone who comes to me with what I believe is a disingenuous question, and they say, well, I, do I really need to believe that? I mean, is that a salvation issue? Can't we just agree that that's a preference issue and we're, not, we're just never going to agree on this issue? My first question is going to be, why should I believe that you are in Christ a redeemed, purchased you know, uh, child of God who has been indwelt by the Holy Spirit if you have no love for the Word of God and no desire to understand it rightly. If there is just no no desire, if, if all you're going to do is fight me on this issue and all you're ever going to do is fight against the Word of God and all you're going to do is make excuses for the Word, you know, why you don't have to believe the Word of God. Why 
should I be uh, of the mind that you are in Christ? Because I don't believe someone who can regularly, with consistency and constancy, rebel against the word of God and still claim to be someone who was bought by God, who wrote inspired through his inspired authors, the very word of God. Would you agree with that, Rich? Absolutely, brother. And there will be some cases where someone is genuinely seeking an answer to that question. We're not talking about someone that's humble in spirit, that's trying to learn for themselves, that's trying to wrestle and understand and grasp what a portion of Scripture is saying. You can tell them right off the difference between someone that is searching and really wants to know versus someone that's trying to make an excuse and in you know, prideful defiance saying, nah, 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 nah. You, you just, you just hate women. I mean, it, it becomes, it's evident. I mean, I can't really go into it now and explain all the details, but just being online and the interaction with this individual you can tell by their responses. Mm -hmm. They're trying to make an excuse. They're trying to justify themselves. They're not trying to seek what the Word of God actually says. They're trying to make what they say the Word of God. And that's the difference. And, you know, if, if it's a conversation you're having with someone that you don't know, after about five minutes, you can generally tell which direction that person's going, and you can use the appropriate response, whether it's to help them seek out and to truly understand what the Word of God says, or if it's a proud person trying to make an excuse for their sin, you give them the law and the gospel, take them past the foot of the cross, but leave them in the empty tomb because only Christ can bring a dead man to life. Amen. That person is dead in their sins. People talk about proclaiming the gospel and leaving people at the foot of the cross. I say, no, don't leave them at the foot of the cross. Proclaim the law and the gospel to them. Take them to that empty tomb and leave them there, because the only way they'll come out of that empty tomb, a born-again Christian, a true believer in Christ, is through the gift of salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ, because only Christ had the authority to raise himself from the dead. Only Christ has the authority to raise a dead person in their sin from that sin and proclaim them a forgiven son of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And, okay, somebody who has never listened to any of our shows in the past is probably going to complain, oh, well, what about that person who does believe something that's wrong? And, you know, or does that mean that everybody's, uh, you know, because everybody's got something wrong, doesn't that mean everybody's not saved? I'm going to reiterate something we've said on this show many, many, many times over the course of five years. And by the way, this is five years today. Um, <laughs> so happy fifth anniversary, Rich. I forgot to mention that at the beginning of the show. Happy fifth anniversary, <laughs> although um, the 200th episode will actually be, we'll use that more or less yeah. like an anniversary. I think we'll episode. celebrate it all think, together. I think tonight's like 196. Exactly. So anyway, getting back to what I was saying, in, in almost 200 episodes over five years, we have said again and again and again, I it is, there are people who will believe certain things theologically that are wrong. That, you know, important issues of doctrine that are wrong. And we're all wrong somewhere. 
the question isn't can, can, uh, is does that doesn't that mean that you can just be wrong on really important issues and still be a Christian? The question is if you are in Christ and you are shown in the Word of God that you are wrong on these issues, are you willing to receive? correction and instruction are you willing to to get down on your knees and pray for understanding are you willing to study and take the time and learn or will you be like heretic td jakes who believes that god is not trinity but is just god in different modes who has been told time and again and shown time and again and rejects it and is it prideful about it and holds to it and you know and, and tries to inject himself as being orthodox even though he holds to oneness pentecostalism are you that or are you the person even if it takes time you're still learning and growing and understanding and you want to be conformed to God's word we will all stand before God one day and go, wow, I was wrong on that in some capacity. But what is the mark of someone who is indwelt by Christ and through the Holy Spirit? I believe it's that you are always learning and growing and refining and being and willing to be open to correction. As long as that correction is the contextual, fully contextual uh exegetical preaching of the word of God that brings you there. That's what's important. I, we don't want to give the impression that, well, if you're not sound doctrinally in every single area, you're not saved. That's not, you, you can't have doctrinal purity in this life. You won't. But the concern isn't that whether you hold, have a, a pure and 100% right doctrine. The concern is, are you willing to continue to learn and to grow? Or have you decided, I have this figured out, my way of interpretation, my presuppositions, my way of looking at the scripture is something malleable that I can make and to fit my perspective. And I don't need to, you know, to teach, be taught and learn and grow and understand. If you're that kind of person and you don't believe that the word of God can tell you you're wrong, I believe there is genuine concern about your profession of faith. Because we're all wrong somewhere, but we are should all be willing to say, I know I have wrong uh, understanding in these places, some places, and I am wanting to learn so that I continue to refine and grow, so I practice my faith in a manner that is honoring to God. Would you agree, Rich? Absolutely, brother. And in fact, a couple of portions of Scripture came to my mind while you were saying that, it really sums up everything you said. The Bible says the Lord resists the proud but gives grace to but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore before the Lord. And that's the key. Are you trying to study in humble submission to the Lord to Christ, what he has said, what he teaches? Like like you pointed out, Chris, are you willing to be corrected? That is one of the tenets that goes throughout the epistles of Paul is is a person humble and willing to be corrected biblically from the Bible, willing to admit, okay, I was wrong about that. I, I see I see this over here now. I understand it better. Are you humbling yourself before the Lord? Are you willing 
to die to self to live for Christ? Or more importantly, are you willing to let your opinions die Mm -hmm. on a subject in order to understand the truth? Are you praying and asking the Lord to open your heart and allow you to understand his truth? Those are complete things completely different from, well, I believe this and I'm going to stand on this hill and die on it. Well, yes, there are certain things in the Bible that the Bible says this, and yes, I would die on that hill. But the question is not, what are those things? The question is, how humble are you submitting yourself in learning what the Bible actually teaches? And in closing this week, I'll let Chris have the last word, but whatever you do this week, make it a point to proclaim the gospel at least once a day, because if you're not proclaiming the law and the gospel now while it's legal, you'll never be doing it when it becomes illegal. Amen. Amen. So folks, uh, this on this, our fifth anniversary episode and, and we will do something big. I mean, we, we we're trying, I've got something in mind. I, I got to, I got to make some requests. I got something in mind. Um, this being our fifth anniversary, I, I can't think of a more appropriate topic for Voice of Reason Radio because we have always said that there's only one true voice of reason, and that's the Word of God. That is what you filter everything through. Your lens by which you look at the world, how you think, how you act, how you walk, is should be informed by the Word of God. And the reason that is is because you were purchased by God through through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, through repentance and faith, you are redeemed, you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, you are made a new creation, and you are called to honor Christ in all that you do. It's not an option for the Christian. Obedience to God is not an option. Seeking to walk in holiness is not an option. Practicing our life in such a way that we are set apart and distinct and different from the world is not an option. Read First Thessalonians. Paul telling to, tells the First Thess- or tells the Thessalonians, we don't even have to tell anybody about you because wherever we go, we hear about you. How you receive the faith, uh, or you know the message of Christ. How you ref- uh, how you uh, received it with joy in affliction, and how you turned from idols and worshipped Christ and are waiting on Christ. They are a unique people set apart from the rest of the world. They didn't even have to talk to people about the Thessalonians. They heard about the Thessalonians because of how they practiced the faith. So zealous they were for Christ. There is no option. If we make God's word optional, if we can say, well, I can, I can believe this part and this part, but this part I can, I can redefine to fit my proclivities or my preferences, and, and that's not a salvation issue anyway, you are making God's word optional. And that should terrify us as Christians that we could ever look to his inspired, inerrant, infallible, all-sufficient word as being optional. If you are somebody hearing this and I'm getting, you're getting a little hot under the collar at some of the things we've said, I'm going to ask you why. Why is, it, why is it so important that you hold to that position? Who knows more? You or God? 
if God is the all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present God of the universe who controls everything, how can you possibly look to his word and go, I know more than you, God. You're wrong here. Especially when it is a clear teaching of the word. If you can do that, you have pride immeasurable. And guess what? We all struggle with that somehow. We all hit something in scripture that goes, you know, we all do that somehow. But the test is, how do I respond? Do I respond in pride and arrogance and I'm going to make this uh, square pig fit in a round hole? Or am I going to respond in humility and go, I must decrease, he must increase. If you, if it is, if, if it's, go back to the, the start of the program and where this conversation started from, you're someone that says, well, women are equipped to teach and they should be allowed to teach and this is misogyny. Who are you seeking to glorify? You're seeking to glorify the person. When we use our gifts that God has given us in the manner that he has prescribed, who do we then glorify? The one who gave us the gifts. We all have giftings and callings, and we all have the roles in which we are to use them. Rich is using his teaching and evangelism class. I, I occasionally write stuff on the internet and I get to do podcast stuff. Neither of us have been asked to go preach at G3 <laughs> or, or at Founders or any other conference. And because that's not our calling. And that's where we practice it. Because that's where God has called us to be. You use your gifts in God's prescribed manner and you will honor him and he will use it. But if you use your gifts and your callings to in to glorify yourself, can God draw a straight line with a crooked stick? You bet. But guess what? He's going to hold that hold you accountable for the misuse of your gifts. And if you think your gifts and calling matter more than the word he has given to you that tells you how to use them, then you are glorifying yourself. And now i got to ask you a question. Do you know Jesus Christ? God's word is far more important than my opinion any day of the week. We have said this a hundred times, if not... Nearly 200 times on this show. Never take anything we say on this show as gospel. Go to the word of God. Compare anything you think we might be right, wrong, or indifferent on. You compare it to scripture. And where we are wrong, we need to be corrected. And I humbly ask God to continue to change me in them because I, there are many areas that I don't get into in a lot of discussions because I'm still learning. I stay out of a lot of eschatology debates because my, my position is changing over the years as I study the Word of God more. So I, need, I don't get into those debates for a reason. But I know God continues to change me and He continues to conform me to, the, to His Word 
and more and more, even on days when, I, for example, I don't want to go to work. I want to be retired. I want to be done. I show up to work and I say, God, you give me strength today. This is, I need to serve you by being here. That is not an easy prayer some days. You need to be conformed to the word of God. You need to be humbled by the word of God. And you need to be obedient to the word of God. And if you don't have that, if it just is optional to you, then I ask you, do you even belong to God? Or will you stand on that day of judgment where he says, depart from me, I never knew you, you worker of iniquity. No, you're not saved by doctrinal purity. But as a Christian who is redeemed and purchased of Christ, doctrine matters to you. And now I am challenging you, Rich is challenging you, go to the Word and take every presupposition you've got and you you put it at the foot of the cross and you say, you show me, Lord. You show me where I'm wrong. And then change me. You do that and God will honor you. You fight God and He'll hold you accountable. Not easy words to hear. But I think probably the most appropriate thing I can think of to talk about after five years of doing this, which I cannot believe the Lord has been so gracious to let us do this for five years. How amazing is that? Well, absolutely, brother. And I've been blessed with every episode, being able, him allowing me to be able to be part of it and have these discussions with you and blessed by the encouragement we get from others that listen to this show and even blessed at times by the feedback we get questioning some things that we said, but it's truly, a, it's truly been a real blessing to do this. And I pray that the Lord will allow us to still be doing this five years from now. Amen. Amen. Well, folks, it has been quite a journey so far. Five years. When we started this, maybe ten, double digits of people would listen to us in the course of a month. Today, as many as ten times that will listen in a week. And that's by God's grace. We don't deserve a single one. We've said before, if we've said anything right, you give glory to God. Anything we get wrong is on us. But five years. We'll talk about it more when we hit our number 200 but what an amazing journey this has been so far and some of you have been so kind to us the prayers the the comments the uh, the uh, emails the the reviews even when you've disagreed with us most of you <laughs> are are very polite in what you have to say Thank you for being part of us with this journey. The journey's not over yet. As my brother Rich said, praying for many more years to come. I pray you guys continue to keep showing up every week. Invite friends along. We just the more of you we can talk to, the better. Not that we are anybody special, but we just love doing it. And the more of you that we can 
have that interaction with and have the blessing to somehow hopefully edify you and encourage you, man, the more the better. You guys are amazing. Thank you for being a part of this. All right. This is episode 196, five years later. Keep showing up every week. And we'll hit 200. And maybe, maybe, maybe we'll just have something special to do on that one. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week.